Jaguars Drive Time. Brian Sextepston, John O'Shea, Ashlyn Sullivan. Jaguars Drive Time starts right now. Well, calm morning out there, but where are all those people? Don't they know we're still celebrating Schlin's birthday? Come on, John. One more. Big Just week. one more. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you only turned 24 <laughs> once, although for John, it seems like every day. I'm not sure I I can remember turning 24. Can you remember turning 24? That's the real question. Yeah. Okay. I took many selfies like that. Does Max have them? No. Yeah, he doesn't need those. I'll bet that was just an Instagram scene that night. (laughs) (laughs) You leave me alone. It was my birthday. It was your birthday. Yeah. Birthday's over. It is. Ready to work? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Uh, Hi, welcome. Yes. Tuesday. I got the day right this week. Got Uh, my. Let's address that John has a a pop socket on his phone. My phone. So now you can check your email. (laughs) Of all the people I would think to never have a pop socket, (laughs) he's one of them. Right. So this is like the most boring week of the off season. Not if you have one of these. Not if you have a pop socket. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. Right. So you'll entertain us today. Sure. Uh, next week, everything seems to pop. Uh, State of the franchise. I think there's a chance we'll see the schedule next week. Yep. Generally, would, it's the week before the draft. Yeah, I'd be stunned if we don't see the schedule uh, Wednesday, Thursday yeah. of next week. Yeah, exactly. So. And then the week after is draft time. So... Away we go. But this week, uh, we're still postulating. Are you tired of that? Do you know what postulating means? No. Why do we work, use these big words? Well, every once in a while, we try to expand horizons. <sighs> or one of those. The reality yeah. of it is, is we're still all guessing. We're, you know, we're trying to make educated mm-hmm. guesses about who, where, when, why, relative to the NFL draft. And that's how we're going to start big things here. Try and make some educated guesses and show value for different positions. So, Why don't you lead us off there, birthday girl? Yeah, we have the need versus the values of positions that we think the Jaguars are most realistically take in this year's draft. The first one has to be offensive tackle. We know that the struggles that the offensive line had last year, especially on the right side of the line, which makes you think that this guy, Jawan Taylor, is a likely pick. So I spent some time this weekend with a few coaches, uh, none of whom gave me permission to quote them directly. So here was a general theme. The play has to get started. Mm-hmm. And these guys were talking about how in recent years you see struggles along the offensive line. I mean, Blake Bortles, whatever quarterback you want, if the play can't get started effectively, it doesn't matter what you do, run or mm-hmm. pass. Which means the value at number seven for a player like this, Juwan Taylor. or Some people might tell you Jonah Williams. I've seen Andre Dillard crawl into the top mm-hmm. ten. The young man from Washington State. At number seven, this might be the greatest value position. Yeah, it's. Uh, I get a lot of questions about best available player and need that old topic. It's usually a need value axis. Yeah. And what you don't want to do is take the best, like, most people don't take the best center or the best long snapper or the best stuff fullback at this spot. So there is a value to the offensive tackle position. Uh, in this day and age, there's more of a value to right tackle than there used to be. Uh, certainly for the Jaguars, they, you would think, have their left tackle. They had the other four spots. This is a plug-and-play guy that you can come in. He plays right away. He improves you right away at a position that makes sense. Seven might be a, a touch high for right tackle, but it's not so high that if he's the best guy out there, 
that he makes sense. There would be a logic if you think Andre Dillard is is a great left tackle waiting to happen, which some people do. You could see drafting him, moving Cam to the right side. I, I'm not predicting that'll happen. You could see the logic in it. So I think this is a case where need meets value at this spot. It's also a historically relatively safe pick in that usually, not always, but usually offensive line is a much more predictable rate of success in the first round top 10 other positions. And when I say that, everyone's going to say, well, what about these busts? <laughs> There's busts at every position, but your percentages, it's often a safer to take that pick. This pick makes sense for this team. I'd put it at about 35%. Well, and the, here's why the value stands so strong to me is you don't have a starting right tackle on your roster. I don't think. I mean, right. Cedric Obwehe was a, um, a number one pick, mm-hmm. but was on the sidelines last year. I mean, right. it never broke into the Bengals, and the Bengals struggled on the offensive line. We saw them two years ago here, right. and they were not very good. I'm going to credit Mike Duraco of ESPN, which I've known Mike for 30 years. I've never credited him for anything. Um, he said on the radio a few days ago, Josh Wells might start. If I mean, in terms yeah. of the play, which I'm not saying he'd make it the whole season. He's, he's had injury problems. He's never been able to. But he might be your best right tackle in terms of performance. He played very well last year mm-hmm. when he was in. But I think Not if you draft this kid. W- right. But right. I'm saying right now, they signed a lot of guys. They signed Wester. They signed Wells. They signed uh, Cincinnati kid, I'm calling him. I, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Good job, both of you guys. It's, it's we practiced. Practiced. Um, abway, abway, abway. They, they have a lot of guys. Uh, Will Richardson might be eventually a guy, but right now they don't have the guy. This guy would be the guy. And right. with Will Richardson being hurt mostly, you really haven't seen much of him at all to show that he could even go in there. But they were excited about him as a fourth-round mm-hmm. pick, and it's important to note that he hasn't shown anything because he really didn't get a chance. So we'll see. This is his offseason to get stronger, But get you don't better. get the idea that you can go in no. counting on oh, that no. yet. No, right. no, which is why they've signed all these other guys and why they're looking at potential players like an Andre Dillard, who's more of a left tackle, uh, the Washington State kid. So maybe you put him over, and there's that spider graph again, and you see he's strong. If the inside line on that, right, the gray line, is the, the, the average of the draftable players in this draft, you can see that he is exceptional in so many ways. Don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they think Cam Robinson's a right tackle. Who knows? But there's an option for them. So we'll see what they do. But tackle seems to be the great value position mm-hmm. here. Next up. Tight Jonah end. Williams. Well, just real quick. He's, you know, oh, Jonah's a guy who... A tackle in college. A guard in the NFL, perhaps. Not Short great value arms there. arms at the combine, remember? Yeah. Couldn't get past that one. But a guy who could play either side. Mm-hmm. Right or left, if you needed him to. Mm-hmm. Why do you look so confused? I got about four weeks ahead of me. Can you send me one of those graphics so I can digest it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I sure will. Those are amazing. So math was not your strong hey, suit. Hey, th- throw up the uh, Juwan Taylor graph real quick. Let's go through it with our friend John. <sighs> <laughs> oh, wow! Well, it's like a tree. Wait a dang minute! Yeah. That doesn't look right. Well, if you read, you see where he's strong and where he's not. Yeah, okay. that's very apparent. Overall, Overall very good. Overall, very good. Run block, run block, okay, good. Positive run block. Oh, yeah. The gray line is the average. Ah. So in areas. Total pressure. Right. Good. Um, Penalties? That's what that says? Mm-hmm. Not very good. Actually, quite poor. We'll see what all that means.
But he's considered the highest offensive line prospect in this draft. Right? Well, everybody who does mocks has mocked him to the Jaguars at least once. That's the consensus pick because it makes so much sense on paper. You look at the roster, you think right tackle. He's the right tackle. That's the fit. That's the reason that I think somehow it won't happen because just that just be that doesn't. Easy. But uh, he's he's reportedly been here for a visit. He makes sense. Uh, I would put him the odds-on favorite. Uh, and again, about 35-40%, I would say, to taking that position and taking mm-hmm. him. But so much can happen on the draft. That's about as high as I would ever put a, a guy at number seven. All right, Lynn. You alluded to it. Big I thing, too. I alluded to it. Might not happen seventh overall, but an obvious need for the Jaguars is tight end. And you can't say tight end without hearing the two prospects out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. We put in Irv Smith there as well as the third prospect. But this is obviously – a glaring need for this team, but every time you read something, or we've even talked about it, taking a tight end seventh overall, they better be pretty dang good. This is, I think, the least likely for the Jaguars mm-hmm. at this point because it is a deeper draft in tight ends than we have seen in recent years. I mean, there's the guy whose name is on the tip of everyone's tongue. Uh, good chart. Seems like a, a, a really good chart. Yeah, yeah, really good chart. Seems like he's stronger than the average in almost every mm-hmm. capacity. He's a big guy. Good great blocker from what we hear at least he was at the university of iowa uh runs great routes uh, knows how to ladder his way up the field and find the zones and the spots and uh, gets open and is a reliable target and it makes sense from the perspective of when you look at what nick Foles was able to do in philly he threw at the tight end what 16 or 17 percent of the time mm-hmm. so this would seem to make sense and he looks like he's one of the better prospects coming out in recent years however there is a depth to this position in the draft, and guys will be available in round two and round three where the Jaguars have two picks. Yeah, there's a fall-in-love factor that happens in the first round, too. And there is something about this kid that makes you wonder if at number seven you can fall in love with him and just say, we've got to have that. You know, the the sentimental fool. I'm a sentimental fool, Shlin. That you are, um, John. You know, says, boy, I'd like to see him take this position because it's been so long since they've had it. They've never really had a guy like this. No. You know, they've had good tight ends. And yeah, the, the closest thing they had to this, although he wasn't the blocker, was Pete Mitchell. Right, right. And and, and he wasn't remotely the blocker. No, so, not even so close. They've never had a complete player at this spot. And in this day and age, you sort of get the idea that as a league, it's going to trend more and more toward tight ends going this high. If they're as good as this guy, you could see this value going up over the next 10 years. Maybe this is the year that you get ahead of that, take that guy. I don't think it'll happen. Those would be the arguments right. for taking that guy. But I get what you're saying. I think it's so deep that these guys, meaning the Jaguars decision makers, think that you can pass here and get value in the third. That's interesting because a guy like Noah Fant is climbing the charts, mm-hmm. right? Which is He's starting to get momentum. But his chart isn't nearly as good as Hawkinson's by it's not I mean, just look at him. Athletically, though, right. the, the word on this kid, though, is his upside is yeah. so much greater. Yeah. Uh, he's a freakish athlete, explosive in the middle of the field, and you're starting to see him you know, right around the top 10, um, somewhere from Detroit, which is eight, all the way down to Green Bay at 13. Yeah, I've seen he, him at Jags a couple of times. Yeah, where, yeah. He seems to, where he seems to make a lot of sense. And his rise is bringing Irv Smith up. Right, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden tight end needy teams are thinking, well, I might not be able to wait until the top of the second round. Uh, the Sternberger kid from A and M, who was an All American last year, he's climbing into the second round. This move towards tight end, there's great value on it, mm-hmm. but you could see that sentimental side of it come in, 
and people say, I got to get my tight end and I got to get him now. There could be a run on the tight end position. Yeah, it's uh, it it's really a spot where you feel like if you don't have it, you're missing a huge piece of the offense. And I don't know that that was the case as much, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And teams have always used a tight end. That sounds dim to say, but it, it just feels like it's a have to now. Guys like Kelsey and Ertz and uh, Gronk, who's retired, obviously, but uh, big plays and the Jaguars tried to get an element of it with, with Julius Thomas just didn't work out. He was too much a receiver to uh, you know, really be a good tight end in this offense. They've got to get it addressed somehow. I wrote on Friday that 99.9% chance to me they take this position on day one or day two. Well, and I think that the dynamic right now is there are some tackles, right tackles, the kid from West Virginia, whose name I can't even begin to pronounce. Mm-hmm. The kid from Washington, Caleb McGrory, who might be there at 38, which might tempt them thinking that the tight end position is yeah. climbing. Mm-hmm. You may have to take your tight end early on, whether that's at seven or trying to back up if there's a defensive player that someone wants yeah. into the 13 range. You may have to go tight end tackle instead of tackle tight end because there are some guys at the top of the second round who would fit your offensive line profile. The conventional wisdom, and I, I, I don't know how analytics backs this up, but the conventional wisdom is offensive line is a risky late first round, early second, because the feeling is always if they're good NFL, big-time offensive linemen and worth a first-round pick, they're gone in the top 20. Whereas conventional wisdom also tells you that tight ends, you can often find them first, second, and third round. So if you're conventional wisdom thinking, you're Taylor and then a tight or a a right tackle and, and then a tight end. What we're talking about, I'll be interested to see again how tight end changes and sort of blows up that conventional wisdom as we go forward because the position is gaining so much importance. They wrote a huge check to bring Nick Foles in here. I don't put it past them to ignore conventional wisdom mm-hmm. and go grab a tight end with their first-round pick because of the need to give him some weapons. Right. Mm-hmm. Does not have a tight end on this roster right now that he can, as you like to point out, know exactly where he's yep. going to be on every play. You talked about Dallas Clark all those years with Peyton Manning. They knew each other. Yep. Right now, you don't have that. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it past him to overlook the greater value of perhaps a Juwan Taylor for a Hawkinson or a fan, whichever one they like better, and then try to make up the tackle position somewhere early in the second round. Right. They've clearly tried to do what they like to do, which is being able to line up at both spots. Yep. Uh, and yet at both spots, you also look at it and say, well, they can line up, but how confident are you in what you've got mm-hmm. to line up with? And if someone goes down, then what? Then As what? we saw last year. Brings us to big thing three and this is probably the greatest x factor of the Mm -hmm. whole first round and that is defensive line you would say and you make the argument that maybe they have one of the better defensive lines in the league right now and they don't have a glaring need there except for the replacement of Calais Campbell eventually but this is such a talented and there's so many options at defensive line in this draft that we've talked about for weeks you might not be able to pass up on someone like that at number seven well and it's both edge rushers and interior defensive pressure Right, I mean, you had in one of your mock drafts, I believe, the Williams kid from Alabama mm-hmm. sliding through because of the quarterback maneuvers in the top five, and because of the edge rusher craving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have. So, and I don't think you can pass that up. You can never pass up a great player.
Goku's spider chart. Looks like that, mm -hmm. right? That's a good chart. It's a good-looking chart. Look, he's better than the average. <laughs> he's at the exceptional level in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And that's just one guy, right? I mean, you throw up uh, uh, Josh Allen, the kid from Kentucky, Kentucky the other edge rusher yep. who's getting all sorts of attention. Um, Nick Bosa. I mean, dude, throw them all up there. Look, I mean, there aren't many guys who have that look. Three, mm -hmm. four, five. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to drive people's interest up for them, which may give you that chance to back up a little bit. And I think it's so dependent on which teams above the Jaguars are quarterback hungry. Well, so what you hope is, is that there are teams behind the Jaguars who are quarterback hungry mm -hmm. who are willing to go up, which means it pushes a great player to you, which brings other teams up. You'd think. Yeah, to me, the big X factor in this draft, when I wrote about this on Friday and, I, and tried to go through the scenarios, how much, how realistic is it that people are going to crave Dwayne Haskins at mm -hmm. seven or Drew Locke? If they do, you know, your chances, 80%, I feel like, trades in the first round are teams coming up after quarterbacks because... I, I think that'll hold true in this draft because you have so many edge rushers that I don't know. I don't know if people are going to come up for an edge rusher because there's a perception that there's so many of them out there. Mm -hmm. It's going to take somebody needing one of those quarterbacks, and then if you do, how far back are you really willing? You know, if you're dropping back to 15, uh, that gets scary because maybe you're missing a chance on a great player. So that's always the edge. Do you really want to trade back, even though it looks like you should want to trade back? Um, I don't know if I would trade out of seven if it means risking a chance to get one of these guys who looks elite yeah. in the top seven. Well, I, I, again, I don't have their grades, but I see eight or nine guys who carry that elite mm -hmm. level player, which means you're going to get one of them. Unless you trade back to 15. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you stay at seven, right. you're in the money right now in mm -hmm. terms of right. that. So if you back out of it, you better get enough compensation. Right, you better get two twos or a three and a two. You better get something right. to overcome you giving up that elite player. Right. And that's they're going to get someone who's going to make a difference on their team this year at seven. If if they are if they are dead set on going offensive line, then that trade back makes sense because you figure you can get Williams, Dillard, Taylor, somebody out of that bunch. You figure it would be available fourteen or fifteen. You would think if Haskins is sitting there at seven, it's hard to imagine they don't get calls. Oh, yeah. somebody coming up, even though his name appears to be one that's waning right now, mm -hmm. that he's sliding. Drew Locke's name is much more prevalent yeah. when you talk to people about quarterback prospects mm -hmm. than Haskins. And that wasn't the case from the moment that he declared Haskins did until now. And my it's guess is draft night, uh, both of those guys go to the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems to make sense. I mean, how many drafts have you looked at in years past where you thought, well, this guy's sliding, this and all of a sudden, I mean – Mahomes, Watson, Trubisky that year, nobody thought there was going to be uh, three quarterbacks gone in the top 15 that year in their work. All right. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the second round and where the Jaguars can draft some really quality value positions beyond round one, which is where everyone focuses. That's still to come on Jags Drive Time. When this is the sound of a waterfall in nature, there's no cause for concern. But when it's the sound of water gushing through your living room ceiling because a pipe bursts inside the wall, there's reason to panic, unless you pick up the phone and call 1-800-SERVE-PRO. 
Only the cleanup and restoration specialists at ServPro can help make fire and water damage like it never even happened. So make the call to 1-800-SERVPRO at the first sign of water damage. Franchises are independently owned and operated. The Jaguars are on the clock as the 2019 NFL Draft approaches, and one lucky Jaguars fan will win the opportunity to announce a pick live on national television. Visit jaguars.com slash you make the pick to enter the draft the best sweepstakes presented by P&G. Announce a pick live, enjoy a VIP experience at the Jaguars draft party, and win tickets to the first 2019 home game. Go to jaguars.com slash you make the pick and enter for your chance at this ultimate draft experience. Draft the best for your household by picking up Ty, Bounty, and Dawn. Available at Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. At ViStar, we believe in better. Better convenience. So members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. All right, welcome back. Jack's Drive Time. Brian, Ashlyn, John here with you. Joe, Max alongside. We'll go for the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes. You know, it, invariably, no one seems to care at all. There's some two-round mocks and some three-round mocks, and obviously it gets more difficult to project. So it just kind of gets washed. The first round is where everybody focuses, and the second round is where there's great value. And especially in this draft, the word is is that you can go all the way through the third round and find starters, even some day one guys who can come in and be impact players for your football team. So with that in mind, we're taking a look at round two and where we see the Jaguars being able to mine for some gold. Mine for some gold. What do you got? Now, I know what you're going to say, guys, especially John, but I got Will Greer. Watched him play when I was covering Florida. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> no, we've never taken a selfie like uh, that. There's time. <laughs> After going to the NFL Combine with John, I was so impressed with just his confidence overall. To go up at the podium with Haskins and Kyler Murray right next to him and him saying, you know, I'm the best quarterback in this class. His ball placement is one of the best in the class. 3,864 passing yards. I'm also not convinced with Foles that you don't need a rookie in here. Because, yes, you paid him all this money, and contractually it says that he's your guy, but we haven't seen him on the field yet. What happens if an injury occurs? Then you're putting in Cody Kessler? I'm not convinced. I think second round, it's not out of this world to take a rookie quarterback. I'd be surprised. Um, it, it it makes sense for the reasons that Ashlyn outlined. Uh, so you got I, that going for you, Ash. I Great. do wonder how confident they are in Kessler behind um, – Foles, mm-hmm. uh, but I think if, if, if they weren't, I, I sort of think they'd have done something by now uh, because you would get a veteran in here before April 15th if, if, if you were planning to do it. So does that mean they're going to try to draft and develop? My theory is they won't because it, if you're going to take one of those day f- one, two picks, I think you would take a guy that you believe is special and a starter, which means you're doing it at number seven. Otherwise, you're trying to win now and you need your guys to play right away. Uh, the knock on Greer is that there's nothing that absolutely stands out and wows you. There's no unbelievable arm talent like the guys in the first round do. That's why he's not listed in the first round. If they're going to take a quarterback here, uh, then I agree. I think it'd be Greer. Okay. Um, I don't see the quarterback either, although I am 
a best player available, mm-hmm. and quarterback is the most important position on the field. So if he's got the highest grade on the board, then take him because you never, ever pass on the top player on your board. The only reason I wonder about it is he would have to come in and be your backup, I would think, or mm-hmm. or you're keeping three. And uh, one snap away, rookie quarterback scares you because then all of a sudden you're not really backing your your quarterback up with something you believe is going to win now. Uh, so it it's a weird spot there. And, I, and, and I'll admit to not being able to quite figure out what I think their strategy is there. Well, I don't hold a lot of confidence in Cody Kessler right. based on what we saw no, last year. we've seen it. So if this kid has a high grade on the board, I don't know. I mean, if you lose your starting quarterback in this game most of the time, yeah. you're in trouble anyway. If you think mm-hmm. this is a guy who could develop, then I don't have a problem with him doing that. Although I don't see it likely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what's likely is the Jaguars go tight end in the second round. And we just talked about Fant and Smith climbing and catching Hawkinson in terms of where they might go. I, I think the Sternberger kid from Texas A&M, who is an interesting kid. He started at Kansas, then transferred to A&M. So he sat out in 2017, played in 2018, and put up good numbers. Was an All-American. Uh, great catch radius, right? He's got long arms and big hands. Makes plays in traffic. Is an explosive athlete. Now, he doesn't block at all. So he doesn't give you that. If, if that's what you have to have, that is not his game. But he only played one year at Texas A&M. That's it. Didn't really play at Kansas and obviously had the sit. So he's got lots of upside in terms of his ability to develop as a player. Got a pretty good frame on him. But the thing I like about him is he's a get down the seam, make a tight catch, in traffic and turn up the field to make a play. He's got explosiveness to him. Um, I like him, I, and I think he's a second-round pe- pick right now based on the way that the tight end position is getting momentum up the board, John. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see them go this route. Um, the only X factor would be it, if there is a push on tight ends like you're talking about in the first round, it's conceivable that the ones they like at that second-round position c- could be gone in the first round, and then – the strategy then might make sense to wait until the third round because there's so many available. Mm-hmm. If they go second round, this kid makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This is a kid who's climbing. Yep. And you, sir? Oh, uh, I went Jalen Ferguson, the edge rusher from Louisiana Tech. Yes. Uh, and the reason for that isn't so much him specifically. It was to discuss the concept of if they don't go edge rusher with that uh, plethora of edge rushers who are available in the top ten, all of a sudden, you're in a weird spot because much like offensive line, teams generally, it's a little scary to draft edge rusher late in the first round, early in the second, because conventional wisdom is those guys are so important, so special, that if they're if they're capable of being big time in the NFL, then they're probably going in the top 25. Unless you find a unique Ngakwe who slides. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but... It gets so rare. It's sort of like quarterback with that. It gets yeah. so rare. It, it's really rolling the dice after that spot. So there are teams that shy away from, you know, second round scares them because their thought is, if I'm taking them in the second round, why am I not taking them in the first? Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because this kid has a first round grade for a lot of people. Yeah. Had, a, had a little off-field stuff that kept him out of the combine. So he's a guy, if you're going edge rusher, it would make sense around that. All right. That'll do it for the second round. When we come back, we'll go to the Ozone here on Jags Drive Time.
When you hear Think Duval Motor Company, a proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Since 1916, Duval Motor Company has proudly served Northeast Florida, offering the latest products and services with hometown hospitality. Visit Duval Ford and Duval Honda on Cassett Avenue, Duval Acura on Atlantic Boulevard, and Subaru of Gainesville to learn more. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. I've been doing this for 20 years, but success doesn't happen in a vacuum. Thank you for helping me move this thing along. You helped me get this thing going in the early days by telling 20 of your closest friends about Tito's. They told 20 more, and it kept growing from there. We wouldn't be where we are today without your support. Thank you very much. Go to titosvodka.com and pick up some Tito's gear. All proceeds benefit our charity partners. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com how many times has that little ditty played on Saturday, Shalyn? I got to think None. it was just over and over again. Nope, just, actually, I only Shalyn, turn it on again. Nope. Let's hear actually, it again. Actually, no, okay. it was not a party hit, All right. if you can imagine. I can't. No, I can't. Tuesday is enough for me with that jam. <laughs> Once is enough, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. All right, let's go to Al from Orange Park, Florida. I think I still think losing to Sean Gibson is going to bite us. What do you think about Jared Wilson's abilities as a replacement? Also, seriously lacking depth at that position, aren't we? Well, it's uh, it's an X factor. Every season you have to go in with a few that you don't know, and you frankly don't know how Jared Wilson will play over a 16-game season at that spot. I think he will be the starter alongside Ronnie Harrison. I don't think it'll be a, a, as distinct a free, strong situation as it's been in the past, um, meaning a lot of times safeties sort of play different versions of that role. It's more of a hybrid. I see, I see those guys being more of that than the true strong free that Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson were. Um, I think they are thin. Uh, I, I don't agree with some of these draftniks who are saying it's their second biggest position to need. Um, I think they'll take it fourth through seventh round somewhere to give them uh, depth there. But I don't see them going that way in the first round. And, you know, uh, to Sean, I think losing him on some level will hurt. But out of all the guys you had a chance to lose, they had to make a calculated risk and say, we're going to lose this position where we feel like there are corners around them right. to cover it up. And we have Ronnie Harris. You can't have depth at every position. Right. You didn't, especially when you have superstars that eat up your cap all over your defensive roster. If you were going to give something up, it had he to be was there. what you had to give up. Well, in a 7.4 $5 million cap hit for a free safety who right. is good and fit your defense, but not elite, it was time to move on. It's, yeah. uh, he was an undrafted rookie free agent, by the way, mm-hmm. and so is Wilson. Wilson is taller. He is bigger. He is longer. Right. What we don't know whether he has are Deshaun's instincts. So, yeah. Gibson had exceptionally good instincts in the passing game. He showed us that when he went to the Pro right. Bowl with Cleveland, and we saw it here. Now, he had some 
breakdowns at mm-hmm. times as well. Mm-hmm. Those were more physical than instinctual. We have to find out, and they're trusting, that Wilson has shown them enough on the practice field, not on the game field, on the practice field that he has instincts to play that position. If you're going to be a sustainable winning team in this league, sometimes you have to trust what you've targeted and are developing. DJ Chark, a little bit of a different story, but similar in a sense. Mm-hmm. You have to trust what you've seen in practice, what you've scouted, what you believe, and trust that you're going to see it on the field when observers haven't had a chance to see it yet. And I think Wilson and Chark are similar in that sense. I yeah. saw some flashes from Wilson last year in the preseason in particular that made mm-hmm. me think, oh, he's got a roster spot. There's enough there. Right. And on special teams and late in the year when he was in the game, saw some stuff. Right. You yeah. can't pay high dollar, high nope. draft for every position in nope. this league. You were confident he was at least going to make the team last preseason. Yep. I remember us talking about that. All right, let's go Bruce from Georgia. Please stop the Band-Aid approach. Think long-term and draft Haskins. There's going to be 15 20% of the uh, people, the readers, who want this. Um, I wouldn't mind it. I don't think it'll happen. But I think the flaw in the thinking here for some people is there's still sort of a thing out there that they see Foles as a Band-Aid approach as a one- or two-year guy. And... I don't know if he is or not, but I think what people need to understand is that's not how they think it. If he was 35, so, right. you'd see it as a Band-Aid. Right. He's 30, and look at how many quarterbacks play well into right. their late 30s now. The right. They have the to trust that they're right about him. Yep. But when they And again, it doesn't mean they're right, but when you're trying to explain to people why they make moves they make, their thinking is not that we're bringing him in as a one- or two-year guy. They don't see it as a Band-Aid. Nope. So that's why... As much as I wouldn't mind them doing Haskins, I don't think they'll go that route because they don't see Foles as a short-term stopgap. Nope. They, they don't. Long-term. And talking to people over there, they don't. Right. And the four-year deal, he's going to play into that, you know, barring injury or barring right. a total collapse, which no one anticipates. But the, they right. have a long-term view with him. It's not just when they went to the card of playing with the Foles, a lot of people looked at it. Well, they're trying to win now. Right. right. Well, it, of course they're trying to win now. That's what he does. That's what Tom and, and, and he that's why you keep Calais, right? right? But they see him as transforming this team from the defensive mm-hmm. running team to eventually right. the passing team that is the staple of the modern NFL. Mm-hmm. They think he's that guy. That's why they gave him the big contract. Right. Paid him the big right. bucks. All right, let's wrap Final it up zone. with Limo Bob from Neptune Beach, Florida. With all these free agent signings, do you believe we are positioned to move up in the draft? Uh, Limo Bob really does drive. A limo? A limo, by the way. I think I've seen it. Yeah. Good guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, it, they are in better position to, to trade up in the draft because of the free agent signings, but I don't think that that's why they're doing it. The free agent signings, as we've discussed on this show before, their approach is we're going to take free agency and make sure we fill up our depth chart. We're going to make sure we look on, on our whiteboard that we have enough tight ends to line up and we feel okay there. We have enough right tackles to line up and we feel okay there. So they want to go into the draft like that so that they're not sitting there when the board starts counting down over here going, oh, my gosh, this right tackle's gone, this right tackle's gone. And now there's five right tackles gone, and we have to take a guy who stinks here because we've got a a slot up there that we're worried about. Mm -hmm. So they want to be able to draft as much as possible without regard to need. But certainly, being in that situation over here, 
enables you more freedom on draft day. But I don't think it's specific. We have to do this so that we can trade. What did the Jets pay last year to go up with the Colts? The Colts were six. I believe it was to move up two spots. It was three twos. I think it was three second round picks. Yeah, there's no way the Jaguars are going up. No right. way. They, they need so many things on offense. They need a tackle. They need a tight end. They may need two tight ends. Mm-hmm. They need a running back. You're not going to trade Wide away. Receiver. Exactly. Right. You're not going to trade away what, what gets you those players for one guy. Right. I don't I mean, think they are. It, They're in better position if they wanted to, but well, yeah, I don't it, think they will. Yeah, I mean, to, to be literal and answer his question, but there's just no way they're going to go up. And I mean, unless Nick Bosa slides to four and they think, well, we've got to have him, right? Mm-hmm. Barring some mm-hmm. insane scenario that has someone within your sights, but what it cost, that set the precedent last year. They're not giving that up. No way. Got too much to do. Yes, exactly. Including top tweets. Next. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. You're invited to Super Bowl 54 for a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience with NFL On Location. Next February in Miami, you'll meet NFL alumni, enjoy exciting pregame parties, watch the action from the 50-yard line, and celebrate on the field after the game. For easy, one-stop planning and access to hotels and travel, let NFL On Location plan your ultimate Super Bowl experience. Secure your official access and the best seats at Hard Rock Stadium today. Visit NFLOnLocation.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. I'm taking the money. If my job is to get to the NFL, I'm trying to get there as fast as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's why most people, if you have the money, you fly direct, nonstop. And if you don't, you find connect here, connect there, connect there. Mm. Coach Saban, don't do this. This is bad. Look, Skip Bayless, because mm. you go into a kid's house, you say, son, I care what, what's best for you. They're looking at you like, no, you don't. We heard what you said about Harrison. Because he's like, we well, ain't going to call no name. Mm. Well, Alabama had one player going the third round last year. Guess who it was, Jenny? It happened to be this young man that went to the Jag. Oh, the drama. Big news around the league yesterday was Nick Saban and Ronnie Harrison. For context, and we'll get your opinion after the tweets, Nick Saban was on a telephone call and said if Ronnie Harrison would have come back for his senior year, he could have been a first-round talent and cost himself millions of dollars by not doing so. Ronnie Harrison tweets back this week's tweet. That's going to be in our top tweets, number one. Top tweets. Top tweets. Top tweets. Coaches get so butthurt nowadays about a kid making a decision to live out his dreams and go pro. Makes me think, do you really care about the success of the kid or how well your program performs? Tweeting that back at Nick Saban, 
who says that Ronnie should have come back for his senior season because he cost himself millions of dollars doing so. Well, the best part of the tweet is keep your name out your mouth. Or Hashtag. Keep my name out your mouth. I like butthurt, I, yeah. Uh, well, and here's what my guess is happening. I, I don't know Nick Saban, uh, but my guess is he was trying to make a point and his point probably got away from him a little bit, and he used Ronnie Harrison as an example. I doubt he was trying to criticize Ronnie. I mean, I don't know why he would. So I would give Nick the benefit of the doubt in that sense. He was probably trying to make a point that I can't imagine him really trying to be critical of Ronnie Harrison. I don't know why he would because I don't know the relationship. But I can certainly see why Ronnie, in this day and age when things sort of get going, would have taken that as he does and you know if if a kid wants to come out it's his right to come out so in that sense uh i kind of ran the numbers on this a little bit yesterday he wouldn't even if he'd been like a late first round pick he wouldn't have made nearly as much more as saban's quote kind of indicated Mm -hmm. but it's uh again Come out when you want to come out because you're losing money every year that you don't. So there's so many different angles to this. Right. Both men are looking out for their both for their own interest, their enlightened yeah. self-interest. Right? Um, Sabin is put that tweet back up, would you, Max? Um, Sabin is, is of course looking out for his program, right? First and foremost, right? I mean, if you're coaching team, you're not looking out for the individual more than you're looking out for the program. So he's looking out for his own enlightened self-interest, and obviously Ronnie Harrison is as well. They're looking out to make the best move for themselves, which is it's just the nature of football. Now, here's my bend on this. you got a coach who's making NFL head coaching money, Mm -hmm. coaching players, some of whom could could be making NFL money. Who are you to tell them no? Right. you got yours, right? If I'm a player and I see the coach making money, and the coordinators in college football make a ton Mm -hmm. of money now— Heck, the staff makes what NFL coaches make. Mm-hmm. Right. But I can't touch that because I'm supposed to be here playing for you so that you win more championships. Right. No. If, and, and, and my comment at the top was I can't believe that Nick was really trying to go after Ryan Harris. No. player, yeah. If, you, if he was, it was dead wrong. It opens a can of worms, right. John, because we saw a couple years ago when the Northwestern players tried to unionize, right? You have all these players who are putting their bodies at risk every week. Right. For coaches who are already paid, uh, that's what I don't like about college football is, is that now you tell these kids they have to stay for three years or right. four years. My sense is if you can go, and it's interesting, there's an article this morning, and it's not coincidence, by the way. It was written yesterday you know, on the Sports Illustrated side. Kaylin Cahill wrote one where she talked to NFL personnel people about who could have come out after one year, right? Give me some players mm-hmm. who, past or present, who could play in the NFL as teenagers, there aren't many, right? right? Mm-hmm. Very I mean, Adrian rare. Peterson comes to mind. Most kids won't come out after one year because they can't. But everyone should be able to leave when they're ready to leave. Everybody absolutely should have the right to leave. The right one, to go. But in no way should they be paid to play college football. But that's another I'm not. Well, I'm not advocating that. Right. What I'm no, advocating is, is kids. Give when, them the freedom. When, when kids have the right. When kids have the chance to go, Absolutely, right? Right. when they're told by whatever committee, kind of like the NBA works, when they're told by whatever committee, yep, you're going to come in, you're going to be a seventh-round pick. Yeah. They should be able to make their mm-hmm. mind up after the freshman year, the sophomore year, the junior year, whatever. Absolutely. Eliminate this. Coaches and, don't want that. And a third-round pick in the NFL, unlike the NBA, where there is no uh, third round, obviously, a third-round safety 
is going to get every opportunity to make the roster. He's probably going to be a starter. By coming out early, remember, he gets a year closer early to, to a second contract and also gets a, a year more to play in the league, which in a short career, right. if he plays eight years rather than seven, at the end of his career, could be a couple million dollars. And let's not forget, just because you stay an extra year or two doesn't mean you're going to go from being a third-round pick to a first-round right. pick. No guarantees. No, no guarantees yeah. at all. Some guys— Might get hurt. Right. Or some guys That's just are third-round talents. Right. That's as good as they are, right? Right. Some aren't. Some are. All you got to do is look at Marshawn Lattimore, the kid from South Carolina. He came back, would have been a millionaire. He came back, it was never the same when he got hurt. Running back, absolutely. That's always the risk, so— if they want to come out, they should be allowed to come and out. And then, the, you know, just to be fair, the, the converse is Josh Allen, the, the pass rusher from Kentucky who stayed an extra year. He probably would have been a third-round mm -hmm. pick. And if he does come out, that's where he goes. But he stays, and he makes more money. So you can point out both. All I'm advocating for is if I'm a freshman and I'm Adrian Peterson and I, or Maurice Claret thought he was the guy, mm -hmm. and I can come out, let me test the waters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Figure out a way to let me test the waters. A coach opening his mouth like that when he's already getting paid is not going to get any sympathy. Absolutely. It's just not going to happen. Another proponent of that that John mentioned is the risk of injury. Lane Kiffin, who used to be at Alabama, pointed this out. Used if, to be here. If 60 juniors got second and third round grades, how would they all go in the top 15 if they come back? Some come back and go in worse rounds than what the, their junior grades were. Love when kids live and fulfill their dreams. What do you say if they get hurt and lose? Hashtag Mark, Mac, Matt Barkley, who's a huge yeah. example of that. Yeah. Point it's, I was just making. Uh, there's no, no guarantee. Yeah. So let's wrap up top tweets with more drama. What's going on with this league right now with Antonio Brown <sighs> and Juju Smith-Schuster? I don't care. <laughs> Field Yates tweets this out, which was a Instagram message that Juju since Antonio Brown, his junior, basically asking him for advice about how well he performs in the league. Antonio Brown tweets this out as some type of insults, but it, it makes Juju Smith-Schuster look even better. So I'm a little confused what the uh, motive was there. If I was the Raiders, I'd be really worried right now. Yeah. Because yeah, what are we thinking he, of this? Brown should be happy. He's left Pittsburgh. He's here with us. We have paid him. We have given him the adulation that he needed, the adulation that he, you know, we love him. And he is still focused on the past when I need him focused on the present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'd be worried about that. I had paid a guy who was not going to be with me. I always try to step back and, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that you don't really know what's going on in somebody's head. So you, you, you can't really know their motivation. I, I, I don't know what you guys are thinking other than you want to get me off the air. But um, certainly if Brown's true nature is what he is showing – in recent weeks on Instagram which or social wherever, which is constantly worried about his other team, then I, I'd be worried too. Maybe that's all an act. Maybe all that goes away once training camp starts and he'll be fantastic, focused, whatever. But I'm with you. It's, uh, it's a bizarre way to behave when you've gotten what you want. Our mutual friend, Vic Ketchman, used to talk about free agents who left Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was a place where players were treated very, very well. Um, the championship pedigrees there. This, uh, being a Steeler meant something. Mm -hmm. And he always used to point out that guys who leave in free agency, they always kind of want to be back there. They didn't want to leave because very few places are like Pittsburgh. And I can't help but read about Brown and think all he wants to do is be back in Pittsburgh, and he's pissed off because he had to leave. Yeah, right. never wanted to leave. Never wanted and to leave in the first place. It's a little bit of a different situation. Le'Veon Bell's situation was a little different because he was a running back. 
and there's a weird pay versus value age equation going on with running backs right now that I, I can kind of separate that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown could have and should have been a legend for life in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it's just a very, very strange story. And my guess is, knowing a little bit about the, about the Steelers organization, as good as he was, they're doing cartwheels that he's They're's not gone. there anymore. And they can't wait for him to just stop talking about them. Stay yeah. tuned on the Bell thing. I yeah. bet there's a point this year, uh, the Jets, even though they're in New York, have always been known as sort of a circus-like atmosphere of a yeah. franchise. Don't be surprised if he doesn't long for the stability of the Steelers. He might, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know Le'Veon at all. I don't know. I haven't studied it enough. But I'm just saying kind of the, the running back is a little yeah. bit of a different no, dynamic right now because I of agree. that pay issue. But – Wide receivers got nothing to do with that. No, nope. that's just I, strange. If, if I was if I was Mark Davis right now, I'd be like, "What did we just do?" Red flag. Yeah. yeah. All it. right, that'll do it for our show. Thanks, John. You're right, John. He'll be at his desk all day if you. Need I got doing a full this. day ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> for Joe and Max, that'll do it for this group. See you next week on Jags Drive Time.